You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. The name of my message, it is called Jesus, our great high priest. And this message that I'm going to be preaching, it's about the goodness and the love and the mercy and the grace of our God. But in saying that, the desire of my heart is that this message will not you know, make us to go and sin more. Rather, it will be the opposite. Understanding the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God will make us live for our God. Amen? See, the Bible story gives us the building blocks. You need to know who God is, who you are, and why you need Jesus Christ. See, the question is that how do you explain the gospel to a person who doesn't even know the first thing about God? It is a very relevant question for the church as we face an increasingly secular culture today. The aim of my messages are not only that you would better grasp the Bible story for yourself, Rather, the aim of the messages are to equip you so that you will be able to explain the Bible story to lead another person who have a very little idea that why Jesus had to come into this world. Let's have a quick review of what I have been preaching in my last eight messages or so. See, God, he introduces himself as our creator and owner. He filled the lives of the first man and the first woman with good gifts. And friend, every good gift in your life comes from the hand of God Almighty. Every good gift. But then there was a great catastrophe. Adam and Eve They chose the knowledge of evil, and that changed everything. It changed their home, their marriage, their children, their work, their world. They were alienated from God, and sin brought them under a dreadful curse. Now, we have been seeing in my messages From the beginning that God, he is loving and he is merciful. See, he will remove the case and he wants to reconcile us to himself, even though it will be of an unimaginable cost to him. God, he stepped into the life of Abraham, a man who worshipped idols And he said to him in Genesis and chapter 12 and verses 2 and 3, I will bless you. And in you, all the families of this earth shall be blessed. Blessing will come to people across the face of this planet through the the line of this man. And the Bible story follows the line of descent from Abraham through Isaac and through Jacob. And as we continue following this story, friends, we see this family becomes a nation of about two million people. 
They suffered terribly, but God delivers from the oppression that they suffered in Egypt. Last time, we saw that God brought his people to Mount Sinai, and there they discover that the God who loves them, he is holy. He is holy. How holy? So holy that he is a consuming fire. He is so holy that his presence causes the mountain to tremble when God comes near. And we as sinners, we cannot come near to this God who loves us because he is holy. I'm still trying to wrap my own head around this verse in Exodus and chapter 33 and verse 5. If for a single moment I should go among you, I will consume you. Wow. So friends, how can we find peace with this God who made us, who owns us, who loves us, and yet who is awesome in holiness? The answer which the Bible gives us, the answer which the Bible gives us is that there must be an atonement. Remember, I preached about Atonement in my last message. Atonement is what it takes to put right something that is wrong. So what will it take to put what is wrong between us and God right? We saw last time that being sorry cannot bring atonement, and we saw that painstaking obedience cannot do it. Further, we saw last time that even the greatest hero of the Old Testament, Moses, himself could not do it. So who or what can provide the atonement that is needed? That is where we are in my messages. You see that atonement for sin is made through a sacrifice, a substitute, and a life laid down. Are you with me, church? In Genesis and chapter 21, a ram takes place of uh, Isaac on the altar. See, a ram dies so that Isaac could live. On the night of the Passover, Exodus and chapter 12, lambs died so that firstborn sons could live. Then last time we saw that how the sacrifice of the burnt offering and of the sin offering brought back the presence of this holy God among the people whom he loves Step-by-step, step, friends, God is putting in place the building blocks of what we need to know in order to understand the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who is God. What is needed to make us right with God? The answer, my friend, is an atonement. And this shows us that why? Jesus Christ had to come 
into this world, why we celebrate Christmas. I hope you guys had an awesome Christmas. Today we are going to see that how atonement was accomplished and how it gets applied to us. And about a year ago, Russ, he preached a very similar message. But I think it's good to keep on reminding ourselves about the word of God and the goodness and the mercy of our God. Amen? Amen. Leviticus and chapter 16 paints the picture of that. And I hope, friends, that you will come to love it. I hope you will come to love it. I think it is the most clearest and the most powerful visual aid in the entire Bible. Let me just set the scene for you guys. We saw last time that God gave exact instruction about the design of a, a tabernacle, a tent-like structure to which God said that his presence would come down at the center of the structure which moved with the people. Inside the tabernacle was the most holy place. It was screened off from view by a heavy curtain. And in the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, a wooden chest carried on poles through rings attached to the sides of it. Jody, would you please can you show the picture of the Ark of the Covenant? There you go. See this rectangular box and rising from the lid of the ark were two golden figures, statues of cherubim, angelic figures associated with the judgment of God. Remember in Genesis and chapter 3, God placed cherubim with a flaming sword at the entrance to the Garden of Eden so that Adam and Eve, the sinful man and sinful woman, could not get back into that paradise which they had enjoyed. Now here they are again. See, these golden statues of the cherubim on top of the ark uh, on top of the Ark of the Covenant, where a visual reminder that you cannot come near God without facing judgment. And between the cherubim in the middle of the lid was a flat area called the Mercy Seat. About it, God said in Exodus and chapter 25 and verse 22, There I will meet with you. And from above the messy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you. God said that he would come down and meet with his people right there above the messy seat between the cherubim. Now, one day, friends, every year, the day of atonement occurred. Once every year, the high priest would go behind the curtain into the most holy place, and the presence of God came down when a sacrifice was made. When a sacrifice was made. 
God said in Leviticus and chapter 16 in verse 2, I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. See, this day of atonement when God's presence would come down in cloud-like above the mercy seat in the sky between the cherubim. See, in the, most, in the most holy place of the tabernacle, it was of such importance, such importance in the Old Testament, and it is of huge significance for us to grasp the bigger picture of God's salvation today. Huge importance. The day of atonement was like Great drama played out, friends, in 5X. Picture this as you were there. Act 1, the priest appears. If you saw the high priest on any other normal day, you would immediately would have known that he was one of the most important people in the land. He wore magnificent robes that befitted the dignity of the office which he held. Seeing the high priest friends would be like seeing uh, the royal family on a state occasion. But on this one day of the year, this one day of the year, the day of atonement, the high priest discarded his robe and appeared in public, uh, dressed plainly in simple white clothing, a kind of clothing that the lower servant would wear. Are you with me, church? Leviticus in chapter 16 and verse 4 says, He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. And he would tie the linen shesh around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. Imagine the scene. Crowds of people have come to see the man who hires, uh, who, who, who holds the most dignified office in the land, the high priest. And here comes the high priest. Everyone in this community has come to see him, uh, the man with the most dignified office in the land. But dressed as a common slave, dressed as a common slave. The people gathered to watch as he makes his way to the tabernacle like a boxer entering the ring, draped in this plain white linen. Act two, the priest prepares. The priest appears. Act two, the priest prepares. Leviticus in chapter 16, verse 6, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Now, before the high priest could offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people, his first priority is to deal with his own. 
A bull is brought forward and slaughtered in public view. Aaron then takes some of the blood behind the curtain into the most holy place where God said that his presence would come down. And there Aaron sprinkles the bull's blood as a sacrifice for his own sins. On the messy seat in the most holy place. This must have been, you know, this must have made a powerful impression on the people. The high priest, the man who holds the most dignified office in the land, is very publicly communicating through his actions. I too stand in need of a sacrifice. I have sins of my own, and therefore I am in no position to deal with yours. Amen. Act three, atonement is made. The high priest comes back out of the tabernacle, and the people, they see him again. Are you beginning to see the picture that how this was an extraordinary dramatic day? At this point, two goats are brought forward. One will live and the other will die. Leviticus and chapter 16, verse 8, And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. Now, if you see your footnote, Azazel means scapegoat. Leviticus and chapter 16 and verse 9, And Aaron shall present the goat on which the Lord fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. Leviticus and chapter 16 and verse 15, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the messy seat and in front of the messy seat. Having made a sacrifice for himself and sprinkling the blood of the bull on the messy seat, the high priest then sacrifices a goat for the people as a sin offering, and he again sprinkles its blood before the messy seat. Friends, God is teaching us over here in pictures. See here. Upon the messy seat, the flat surface in between the two golden figures, which represents God's judgment, the blood is being sprinkled as, as, it, as if this, in this place, God's judgment and mercy are brought together. Friends, judgment demands death is the penalty for sin, and here it is satisfied. Mercy offers forgiveness to the sinner, and here it is released. God's mercy is released in the place of judgment when the blood of sacrifice is sprinkled. Why does it have to be blood? Young fellas, has someone ever asked you that? 
As a Christian, what are you going to tell them? Why does it have to be blood? Here is the answer. See, back in the Garden of Eden, God, he made it clear that sin leads to death. Genesis in chapter 2 and verse 17, Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. That is why the blood had to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. Friend, blood indicates that a, de that a death has taken place. Notice that it was not, it was not tears of repentance that were sprinkled on the mercy seat. Notice it was not the, 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 the sweat of human effort to work harder and harder, earning your salvation. No, the justice of God is satisfied and atonement is made not by our tears of repentance or by the strength of our effort, but by the shed blood of the Lamb that was sacrificed and sprinkled. So that justice is satisfied and mercy is released. That's how atonement is made. Act four, sin is confessed. Now notice it's trusting in the sacrifice and then confession takes place. Place. The priest has appeared and the priest has prepared. Atonement has been made. People accepted the sacrifice. And now the day got really dramatic. If you were standing on the, in the crowds, Act 4 without, without any doubt would have been the most dramatic part of the entire day of atonement. See, having sprinkled, friends, the blood of the goat in the most holy place on behalf of the people, the high priest comes back out from behind the curtain again, and now a second goat is brought forward to him. Because there is something very wonderful that God wants to teach his people. Leviticus and chapter 16, verse 21, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, all their transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat. Now, how would you would have liked to be charged with that responsibility, you would have had to lay both of your hands on this live goat, and no doubt this goat would be kicking and making dreadful noises, right? And now you have to publicly confess the sins of the people of Israel. This would have been a long prayer. Now imagine standing there, listening to and observing this event. Here is what you would have experienced, my friend, as the high priest lays hold of this live goat. You would have had your own sins confessed. Almighty God, 
we confess our idolatry. We have loved your gifts more than we have loved you. We confess our envy. We have seen what you have given to others and we have coveted it for ourselves. Amen. Almighty God, we confess our anger. We have been short-tempered and resentful towards others because we were determined to have our own way. Amen. Oh God, we confess our stealing. We have not lived up to the trust that was placed in us. We confess our, our lies. We have evaded the truth. We have exaggerated. We have deceived. We have made up stories to make ourselves look good. Amen. And as this prayer went on, you would find yourself saying, my friend, that sin is one of mine. That's one of mine. Now notice carefully what the Bible says in Leviticus and chapter 16 and verse 21. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgression, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat. Take that in. Take that in. He will confess your sins and he will confess my sins and he will put them on the head of the goat. See, when the high priest confessed the sins of the people with his hand laid on the head of the goat, an act of transfer took place. This is beautiful, isn't it? God made it to be so God moved the guilt of the sins being confessed onto the goat so that the sins, which were the sins of the people, are no longer on the people. They are on the goat. This is now one very guilty goat. Act <laughs> 5. Guilt is removed. What happened next on the Day of Atonement is just glorious, friends. Leviticus in chapter 16, verses 21 to 22, and Aaron shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. Verse 22, the goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. What God is communicating, my friend, is that the guilt of your sins through this atonement have been lifted from you, laid on the goat, and now the goat is taken away. A man appointed for the task leads the sin laid upon the goat. From the tabernacle past two million people in the camp, past the tents, and then out into the desert, you watch until the goat is only a dot on the horizon. 
and then you can no longer see it, it's gone. It's gone. Friends, God uses this most powerful visual aid to teach us how he deals with our sins. It's all in the word of God, not my made-up story. See, you need an atonement, and here it's how it happens. You need a high priest who is prepared to lay aside his dignity and honor and to become a servant in order to make atonement for the people. That priest will need to be prepared because a man with sins of the, his own cannot atone for the sins of others. See, atonement will be made by the shedding of blood. The justice of God will be satisfied by the laying down of a life. And in this way, mercy that brings reconciliation will be released to the people. Then once your sin is confessed, once your sin is confessed, the, your guilt will be transferred. And when your guilt is transferred, God will take it away. This is beautiful. I don't think you could possibly have a clearer or more powerful visual representation of the gospel than that. And it's found in the book of Leviticus. Gospel in the Old Testament. Amen? Now the five-act drama of the Day of Atonement was like a preview or trailer showing us that what God would do in the fullness of time. See, at the very center of the Bible story, friends, Jesus Christ came to fulfill what the Day of Atonement wonderfully illustrates. So just think this with me. How was atonement accomplished and how is it applied in Jesus Christ? Act 1, Christ appears. Christ, he is our great high priest. He is the son of God and his glory is incomparable. Amen? Far greater than the splendor of clothes won by any other priest. He shared the glory with the Father before the world began. But just as the high priest discarded his magnificent clothing on the day of atonement, so Christ, he laid aside his glory and he took a form of a servant. He was wrapped in strips of cloth and, and laid in a manger. Act two, Christ is prepared. Friends, Jesus Christ lived a life that is different than any other life ever have been lived. He did the will of the Father and he fulfilled all that the Father had given him to do. All. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 22 puts it this way. He committed no sin and so he needed no sacrifice for himself. Therefore, uniquely, he did what Moses could not do, and he fulfilled what no other high priest could ever fulfill. 
He lived a perfect life, which he laid down his life as the atonement for our sins. You see, my friend, Jesus Christ was alone qualified to do what all the other high priests could only illustrate. Act 3, Christ makes atonement. After three years of his public ministry, Jesus Christ was arrested and sentenced to be crucified. And on the cross, on the cross, he became the sacrifice of atonement for our sins. His blood was shed and the justice of God was satisfied. You know, Isaiah puts it this way about our Lord. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 11. When he, the Father, sees all that is accomplished by Jesus' anguish, his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, Jesus' experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear their sins all their sins it says all their sins he made atonement for our sins on the cross opening the way for our sins to be forgiven and for the blessing and the presence of God to come back into the lives of people like you and people like me sinners like us Amen? That's the truth, man. Act 4, we confess our sins. Remember that there were two goats on the day of atonement. One was sacrificed, the other led into the desert. Why two, friends? Why two? Because both of these two animals help us understand what Christ does for his people. What Christ does, does for his people is so wonderful that one picture cannot cover it all. You have to put the two pictures together. He sacrificed his own life on the cross as the atonement for our sins. And at the same time, he takes away our sin from us. You see? That's why two goats, to show us a bigger picture of God's amazing work on the cross. This is where you and I have to play a part in this drama, my friend. See, just as the high priest laid both his hands on the head of the live goat and confessed the sins of the people. So God invites you to lay hold of Jesus Christ in faith, trusting in Jesus in the act of faith and to confess your sins to him. I ask you today, have you done that? Christ, the perfect high priest, has appeared and Atonement has been accomplished in his death. The question is, my friend, has the atonement which he achieved been applied to your sins in particular? Has he become your personal Lord and Savior? Amen? See, only when you will lay hold of Jesus through faith Believing in him, confessing your sins to him, this wonderful transfer will take place. 
your, the guilt will be no longer in you. You know, that's what happens. That's what the Bible says. Jesus will take it away. This is what the psalmist say, you know, in, in 103 and verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgression from us. Friends, can you see that your sins are laid on Jesus if you have claimed that you belong to Jesus? And he does forgive your sins. Can you believe that today? Now, I want to ask this question. I'm coming to an end. I know it's been taken, I don't know how long. The question that I want to ask is that you must have heard that in my preach this morning, that word confession has mentioned several times. Several times in my preach. What do you make of that, my friend? Is it only done the time when you have accepted Jesus in your life and said that sinner's prayer? See, for the Catholics, it has always been the way or either the, the Catholic way of being baptized, you know, uh, for the guaranteeing of your salvation, infant baptism, right? And for the born-again Christians, it's always been as long as you say the sinner's prayer. She'll be right. Salvation is guaranteed, right? Well, for me, neither of them is quite right. I would like to see at least some evidence that you indeed belong to Jesus Christ. There are many evidence that are shown that you belong to Jesus, but for me, the clearest one for me is this, the confession of your sin if whenever you fall short of God's glorious standard. That is one of the job of the Holy Spirit to bring in a true believer's life. Amen? You know, King David, when he sinned against God, the time when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, it took him ages, it took him months to repent. The baby was born when God came to him through Nathan the prophet. And David, he told his experience as an unrepented child of God. He wrote this psalm after he had repented, though. That's why he begins with Psalm 32, verse 1 and 5. He says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Then he goes on telling how he felt as an unrepented child of God. He says, when I kept Silent, in other words, when I did not confess my sin. He says, my bone wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. Salah. Have you ever experienced that, my friend, the hand of God heavy upon you? I have. He has broken a few bones. He literally has, actually. And then he says, 
This is beautiful. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Salah. This is beautiful. A child of God who claims that they have the Holy Spirit, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. I hope that it doesn't, because you don't want to pay for the consequences of your sin. But the Holy Spirit is beautiful. Amen? The acknowledging and the confession of your sin. Christians, what you say of that? Why don't we all stand up? I just want to pray a prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your kindness. Thank you for sending your only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. If it was not for your son, Jesus, we all would have ended up in hell. But we thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing the truth in our hearts. Thank you that you sent a believer to us who was filled with your spirit, who came and told us about the goodness of God. And thank you, O oh God, Father, that your word came so powerfully, so beautifully, that we humbled ourselves. The Bible says that God, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I pray, O oh God, in this room, that we will stay humble. And those who doesn't know you, I pray that they will humble themselves to acknowledge their sins to you, so that they can also be called the child of the living God. Thank you for the atonement that was accomplished in your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, I pray for your children, for me. Oh, God, I pray that we will not, we will not cover our sins, oh, God. Give us the strength, oh, God, the areas that we are weak in. May we will come every morning and bring our weakness to you so that we don't sin. But if we sin, I pray, Father, that we will not sweep it under the carpet. We will make peace with you through repentance, O oh God. Father, I want to pray for the young ones. Jesus, I pray that may they will have a clearer picture of your goodness and your mercy. I pray that they will fall in love with you so much, O oh God, knowing that what you have done on the cross, so that, O oh God, Father, they can be used by you. Jesus, we know, oh God, Father, when we want to save you out of duty, we will always going to struggle. We want to save you in love, oh God. We love you because you first love us. Jesus, I pray this message, as people have heard, it will not make them sin, but it will make them say that I am a child of God, and look what my God has done for me. I want to be sold out for my God. Our desire will be birthed in us, O oh God, to live for you more and more and to get rid of the things, O oh God, that makes us, uh, that stops us uh, to not to live for you, O oh God. Father, I pray, O oh God, anyone in this room that is sick, Jesus, you are the true healer. I can't heal anyone and no one in this room can, but you can, oh God. We are coming to you because you are merciful, because you are kind. 
Father, I pray, bring healing, O God, in your people. And I pray, O God, Father, for us, O God, not to be, O God, taking your grace for granted. I pray, Jesus, that maybe we will understand that many believers have paid a big price for their sin. David himself, O God. May we will learn from them and not sin, O God. We will want to live for you. I pray for marriages in this place, O God. I pray, O God, that marriages will be, Father, living in a holy way, O God. I pray for children, O God, young adults, O God, that they will honor their father and their mother. I pray, O oh God, any one of us have a spirit of rebellion. Take it out from us, O oh God. I pray any sin, O oh God, Father, known sin, unknown sin. I pray, Jesus, that may we will come to you with our sins so that you can, Father, remind us that I am a holy God and I expect my children to live a holy life. Oh, Jesus, I pray that people who are struggling in any sins, O oh God, whatever sin, O oh God, Father, show mercy to them. And may, Father, they will taste your mercy and they will turn away from their sins. Jesus, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. 